Welcome to the Poetry Society of Texas podcast. I'm Courtney O'Banion-Smith, your host for this episode. Today, we feature Lisa Toth Salinas. Lisa is the author of Smallest Leaf, awarded the Edwin M. Eakin Manuscript Prize by the Poetry Society of Texas in 2014. Annabelle Mosley writes, Lisa Salinas is a poet with a large voice, like the Texas she writes of so beautifully, and this book successfully ties together Ekphrasis, family history, American history, and world history. These are poems of wisdom and longing that are rooted in winged humility and what is discovered in difficulty. Lisa's poems also appear in all editions of the Poetry Society's First Prize Winners Anthology, A Book of the Year, since 2008, and almost all editions of the National Federation of State Poetry Society's Winners Anthology, Encore, since 2010. Her work may also be found in the St. Austin Review, Mater et Magistra, and most recently, Presence. In addition to her role as conciliar for the Poetry Society of Texas, Lisa is a genealogist and a 20-year home educator to her five children. You can find her on the web at smallestleaf.com. Welcome to the program, and I am so honored to be discussing your poetry with you today and your book. Thanks um, very much, Courtney. It's oh, good to be here. Smallest Leaf. It's so. It's Smallest Leaf is just such a great collection of poetry. You are a genealogist, and that it reflects genealogy, ancestry, and family, especially the unseen and the unknown histories that manifest in our existence. And I'm wondering if you could maybe share a poem that maybe reflects that idea. I really love the poem, My Aunt and I Discuss Life Over Farberware. You use a lot of forms in your collection. What form was this poem? So this poem is a good choice, a down-to-earth, doing-the-dishes poem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of us, I hope, we can relate to that. And this is a pantoum. And it's a poem that has a lot of repetition. And I do like to write with form and all sorts of poetic forms. And repetition is a lot of fun for me, too. Changing the meanings of the lines as they go along in the poem, it's a fun game to write that way. So Mm -hmm. this poem, I'll go ahead and read for you. My aunt and I discuss life over Farberware, for Barbara. We're washing up together once again, her long red nails encased in rubber gloves. This happy yellow moment, its own feast of suds and words, pots and relationships. Her long red nails encased in rubber gloves attempt to lengthen beauty amidst life of suds and words, pots and relationships. We talk of how to care for Farberware, attempt to lengthen beauty amidst life of boiling, steamings, washings. At this sink, we talk of how to care for Farberware. We wash by hand. She tells me that is best. Of boiling, steamings, washings at this sink, we reminisce through cleansing become friends. We wash by hand. She tells me that is best. Immersed in memories, a wash in kin, we reminisce. Through cleansing, become friends. Years later, she is gone, and I remain immersed in memories, a wash in kin, my farberware and I enduring still. Each boiling, steaming, washing at this sink, we're washing up together once again. The happy yellow moment, its own feast, my farberware and I enduring still. Wow, thank you. What a beautiful reading as well. 
I love this idea in this poem, and I, and I feel like this comes up again and again in this collection. And I, and I should add, there are so many different forms. There's the gloss, there's rhyming couplets, rhyming quatrains, terzanel, which, bravo on that. You even have a, a couple of Shakespearean sonnets, and one, one that's a reflective sonnet, which I thought was wonderful. A mirror sonnet. A mirror yeah, sonnet, yes, thank you. <laughs> in this poem in particular, I love how you're incorporating a family member and that yet these things live on beyond her and and there's the memory and there's the action there's a lot of action in the poem and how is that important to you the idea perhaps of genealogy and memory and history and form how does that inform your work genealogy family history and all that goes along with it is really important to me first of all context has always been very important and essential for me to understand where I am and why I am where I am and who the places and the people and the cultures that might have influenced who I have become has always been something that strongly interested me. That has definitely played into a lot of my poetry. The idea of having various layers working at the same time in a life and also having that happen in poetry is something that defines who I am as a writer and a person. So for example, my goal as a poet is similar to my role as a genealogist. I'm always trying to find multiple and deeper meanings in the images and ideas that I encounter. And that also plays out in terms of lines of poetry. I like to look at words from different angles, just like I like to look at images. And I like to look at my life and my own family and the context in which I was born from different angles. So all of that kind of comes into play for me. So people might look at my bio and say, oh, she's a genealogist. Okay. And a poet. All right. So how do those connect? Well, for me, it's all one big organic identity of mine, I guess, that that I think comes out in a lot of these poems in this book and in other things that I write. One of the ways that genealogists look at the world. For example, they are not historians. A historian looks at a broad overview of a period of time and the history of a place and a people. A genealogist takes one life and they dissect that one person's series of records. They find the particular record that will enlighten a personal aspect of that life. And then they hone in on that little portion of that one person's place and role in history. And that's what I try to do as a poet, too. Poet, I try to be zoning in on the small, tiny little images that I see in my world and the different pieces of experience and of place and culture. And so that's kind of what I've done with the book and with all of my writing. And it's very aptly named then, Smallest Leaf. Yes, right? that's the idea. The so idea is to the that very tiny. The very tiny and how, to me, when I read the book, when I read the collection, it's the universal within the minuscule. It's all of the people who came before culminating in this person and then the people who are coming after. And it's I think, lovely to see that you've come to that conclusion because that's what I was trying to do. Well, you but, did it. <laughs> without even realizing it and later kind of discovered that, that all these poems actually didn't even appear to me as a collection at first. Mm-hmm. When I first started trying to put together a collection, I had never even imagined that I could have a series of poems that would fit together in some kind of cohesive whole. But once I started putting them on across the kitchen table and I decided, 
you know, maybe I can try to make this work. The deadline is in three days or six days or however many days, you know. And so, so it's never too late. Is yes, that what you're saying? No, it's never too late <laughs> if you're out there and you want to enter this contest right. or any other book contest. The idea was that I thought that all these poems had total different directions and subjects and forms, but it yeah. ended up they came together and they actually did say something about me, which I was kind of in some ways, very surprised. To so let's find. talk about that collection for just a moment, because actually what's interesting and what I've seen in reviews of the collection, I feel is also um, true when I read it, that it's very diverse. And you actually have the poems separated into four separate sections, and they're titled Realm of Flying, Warmth of Another Sun, Satisfying Fruit, and At the Leaving Light. And so I love that There are these four separate sections. They are grouped, I think, thematically, yet there is that overarching theme of the whole collection. So I think it works in that way. And you have quite a few different forms. Is there anything you'd like to share about form or structure in your work? Sure. So the book does, like you mentioned, have four sections. The meat of the book is in the two middle sections. The Warmth of Another Sun are poems of history and culture, poems based on paintings, including Vermeer's The Geographer, Mm -hmm. Washington Crossing the Delaware. I've also got poems of Irish immigrants facing struggle, uh, African-Americans just before the Civil War, Jews facing the Holocaust, poems during the Vietnam War, the Yugoslav War, And those are all kind of my look at history and just certain aspects of history that were interesting to me. The third section is called Satisfying Fruit, and that's where a lot of my poems of family and Mm -hmm. genealogy come into play. And looking at this just recently, I discovered something that I hadn't been aware of, but 11 of the 18 poems in that section have a strong connection to womanhood, to either women that I admire or myself in a important place of my life as a woman. And I thought that was kind of interesting because I've written this book and here sometimes I didn't even realize kind of as often a writer will do with a poem. They'll write a poem and then later they look back and they make a discovery about something that they wrote that they didn't realize they were saying. (laughs) And, And that kind of happened to me with this book also. But the first section and the last section are the bookends of the book. And those are the realm of flying. In the initial section is poems of introduction. They're kind of centered in Texas. And they feature two poems about birds, one about wildfires, and one about a hurricane. So I'm kind of going all over the place here with this book. If you have any interest in anything like weather, birds, history, <laughs> poetry, women, <laughs> there's lots there almost sure. anything. So, And then I've also got the concluding section has a few more about nature and writing poetry. But that's a good overview of this book. And as you mentioned, I do write in a lot of poetic forms. And I think that's one of the fun parts for me about writing. I like to play with words in all sorts of ways. So if I find a form that someone has introduced me to that I've never heard of before, then it's always fun. I just have to go write one. <laughs> so I put a lot of poems of different forms in this book. As I noted, and as you've noted, there were 15 different forms, poems in the book. And one of the things that is close and dear to my heart is joining in the poetic conversation yourself as a poet, as well as poets who've influenced you in the past. And one of the things that you spoke of, and we mentioned earlier, I know that you love, just as I do, forms that use or borrow from other poets. And you have glosses in this collection. Many poets use epigraphs. We've also discussed centos in the past, which actually yes. are composed of other lines of poets. And I love what you said a moment ago about, as we look back on our work, sometimes we see things that we didn't even intend 
yet they're there. And that's part of our poetic voice and our poetic identity. And I kind of feel like sometimes these poets that we've read, they influence and become part of our identity, just like our personal family history of people we've never even met. And so what is your feeling about, especially with the last section of the book at the leaving light, which I feel is a lot of poems about poetry and about writing as well as nature. What's your feeling about being part of the poetic conversation or these influence of other writers and using other writers work or poets work? It may seem ironic for the poet who is an introvert and has to go off by themselves to write, to want to form a sense of connection or really have to form that sense of connection with others. But that I think is a part of our human experience. And I was very excited to make a discovery about 10 or 11 years ago now of my local poets group through the Poetry Society of Texas and finding that connection to live living poets working on writing was a big deal for me. But the whole idea of connection to family members, family history, other working poets today, poets who have written in the past, who are no longer with us, all of these connections I think are really, really important to me. And I love to include the work of other poets in my own work, like you're mentioning with gloss and epigraph and all sorts of ways. I'm continuing to find new and fun ways to honor the poets whose work I'm reading. And sometimes it's a matter of just being able to say a small thank you in that way to a poet that has inspired me. It's also just wanting to make a contribution to something that someone has already written in Mm -hmm. a poetic line or in a full poem. And I've been touched by that work and I want to write more and I want to comment on what they've done. So I think that's part of the fun. Many of those poets in the Poetry Society of Texas, who I first encountered about 10 years ago, really shaped Mm. me as a poet and encouraged my writing. And many of the poets that I continue to engage with in conversation and gatherings through the society are really incredibly helpful. But I've also broadened my connections to lots of other working poets that I've encountered. It changes on a daily basis, who I'm excited about reading. But the poets that I think really are important to me are poets of place, poets of historical memory, people that write using language in a masterful way. Right. And poets who are masters of form, and that includes free verse poets too, because there are some amazing poets that use the free verse form. The line in space. Max, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, which I'm really continuing to be amazed at. And then poets who surprise me are a big draw for me. Someone that can put out a poem and I don't even know where they're taking me at the beginning, and then I end up somewhere totally unexpected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then particularly poets that can layer all of these aspects of a poem together to create a written masterpiece. Mm. You can see in this book that I'm trying to throw together all these different collections of ideas. And I think that kind of is noticeable in this book that I'm a collector. Like I collect yes, poets. I would agree with that. As yeah. inspiration, I collect words and ideas and histories and places and people. And the more the merrier. And the whole idea of layering all this together is really exciting to me. Well, there are several so, poems in the book about collecting and about true, things. True. That the idea of place is very strong and history is very strong, but there's a lot of stuff, yes. literal things <laughs> um, like and that. collections yes. of things. There's yes. even a poem and it's one of the longer pieces about an aunt, I believe, or is it a grandmother? Yes, who, my great aunt, actually. Great aunt, yes, I was close. Yes, he was close. Yes. <laughs> who co- is a collector of yes, things. So I, I think as poets, we have an ear, we collect language, we collect images, we see the world differently. 
And then that condensed language is so important to us. And that definitely comes across. If you would, would you read the last poem in the collection? And it's called Inheritance. Would you read that one? I'm happy to read that. Inheritance. Dreaming in black and white, I see myself as poet. My folded words carefully tucked into corners of hearts I do not know. The familiar light of my soul shining in their eyes. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, I love those lines, the familiar light of my soul shining in their eyes. It's just a wonderful, wonderful image and line to end on. Well, thank you. This has been a Poetry Society of Texas podcast featuring Lisa Toth-Salinas. For more information, visit our website at poetrysocietyoftexas.org. The podcast producer is Terry Jude Miller. Music is provided by Ed and Mem Frida. Technical editor of the podcast is J. Daryl Kirkley. I'm your host, Courtney O'Banion-Smith. Thanks for listening.